Hey traders, David Frost, my strategic forecast. You're here for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. Today is Thursday, November 11, 2021. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What do we have on the docket today? The first thing on the board is take a look at the daily chart. Is anything jumping off the page at us? We're going to do that in a moment. Next, we're going to talk about some things the market's been doing and some things it hasn't been doing, which puts it into the it's weird camp. Whenever we get into the it's weird camp, and it's not that everybody can see the market's weird. It's weird from the way I look at things. It's not doing certain things. It is doing certain things. Every now and again, the market gets into this position where it's angling for something larger. Whether it's a blow-off top situation, we go to new highs and we keep going, or they pull the rug out, remains to be seen, but we're in that situation where there's something larger coming, most likely sooner than later. Of note, puzzle piece, it's on the table, put it on a sticky note, stamp it on their computer. All right, back to the daily chart. What's the thing doing? The thing being the chart. Price is coming down toward the 20 period moving average, home base. Home base is creeping up toward price. We discussed that this is the type of thing that generally does happen, and this is the thing that is happening. Today was what we call an inside day. It was inside of yesterday's high and inside of yesterday's low, so the market didn't do anything material. It stayed in a very narrow range all day long. From an intraday perspective, the market did what we call in technical parlance, bupkis. However, it's in the process of doing something. The market's always doing something. Can you identify? Can I identify? Can Johnny next door identify what the market is doing? Sometimes we can, sometimes we can't. It's found on a chart. The question is, can we find the chart? Let's start with the 240 chart. That's less than the daily chart. We're looking intraday to see if we have any clues that something is coming sooner than later. They're hovering on slash teetering around the 20 period moving average. That's something, but it's not an end all be all. Yesterday, they came down toward the low of that breakup candle. We talked about that yesterday. Today, it's an inside day. They just creeped around. The 240 isn't really telling us any new and material information. What about the buck 20, also known as the 120 minute chart? They're hovering over the 50 period moving average. So we know this, the 50 period moving average is no longer support. It was support yesterday. They came from somewhat of a far today, not so much. In addition, by having not done anything in either direction today, they've now formulated one of these bearish kind of flaggish wedgish situations going on. So whether you draw the line from up here or down here, it doesn't really make any difference. This is what's going on. And that stays ever present until what? Until they close above, close candles above 465.42. Write that down, put it on the sticky note. What happens if they do close above that? It opens the door for them to make a run, not all in one shot, but make a run for 467 ultimately. And I use the term ultimately because that would be where the next real big time resistance area would be when you look at some of these longer term charts. 
What's going on in the hourly chart? Similar situation. You find the thing being pressed down underneath the convergence of the 20 and the 50 period moving average. Now some people would say, isn't it bearish that the 20 period moving average has now crossed over, at least on this chart, the hourly chart, the 50 period moving average, and you would say, under normal garden variety conditions, yes, that's telling you where the money flow is. How does that work? If money flow is out of the market, for example, then therefore price is being compressed in the southern direction, okay? If price is being driven down in the southern direction, then the average, and it's a 20 period moving average, which means 20 candles, the average of 20 candles. If the average being pulled down, then yes, the 20 period moving average is faster moving. It crossed over the 50 period moving average, which comprises 50 candles. So from a shorter term perspective, the market came down of late. Therefore, the most rapid moving moving average is the one that's going to move down the fastest or first. Is the 100 period moving average garden variety of chart support? No, it's not. They came up short of it yesterday, bounced away, and then traded sideways over it all day long. Today, no, it's no longer garden variety support. We can look at this tape on the hourly chart specifically one way, or we can look at it two ways. I'm going to look at it as the umpire calling balls and strikes. You have the move lower, so you're stair-stepping lower. Move down, sideways, down, and we're going sideways again. So the question is, is this going to be a stair-step lower, or can we look at it the other way and say, we made a low yesterday, and they've moved up off the low, and now they're making a bullish pattern from the low, building energy to make a move into the moving averages and to where? Where did we just say? 467, somewhere up in this neighborhood. It could be either one, and guess what? When you show up tomorrow in uniform, ready to go, the market's already likely going to be telling us which one it is. Are they selling off? Did they sell off overnight? Did the thieves in the night grab hold of the market and open the trap door and drop price? Or the flip side would say, hey, are we going to get a Friday floater? Maybe you get a little shimmy, shimmy, bang, bang in the morning down lower. They reverse the tape and float them up all day long like that's never happened on a Friday before. You go down to a 30-minute chart just to see if we can tell if there's anything different or if we're getting confirmation of the same stuff. And guess what? We're getting confirmation of the same stuff. We can certainly make a case that they've moved off the low, and as long as they stay above the low, there's always a chance that they're building energy to make another move higher. But what we also notice is each and every chart we go to, they're getting more and more underneath or have given up the moving averages. In this chart, now they've given up the 50, the 100, and the 20 period moving average, and they're hovering over the 200. This is not a bullish chart. It's not a bullish setup. If they hit an important low yesterday, why haven't they moved up or why hasn't there been follow through today? Now there could be tomorrow. We know the routine. You know the schematic. 465, 42, is an important number. If they're trading above it by the open tomorrow by chance, that's a bullish indication slash signal.
Here's another thing they did today, which I find interesting. This is one of those things in the weird camp. So there's a gap over here, and I'm calling the gap 463.82. It's debatable whether it's a few cents lower. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter because this is what happened with the gap today. So here's today's activity. Here's a gap up. Forget the vertical. We don't need it today. Here's the gap up, and they're coming down to fill that gap. Now, you can make an argument that they filled the gap on a five-minute chart, but that's not what I'm talking about. The gap I'm talking about was 463.82 or lower, and here's what happened. They missed it here, bounced up. Maybe that's bullish, and what I always say is sometimes they miss it, they bounce away, that's bullish, but they'll be back. If it's not really bullish, they're going to be back sooner than later. Guess what? They came back sooner than later, and guess what? They didn't do it again. Here's where things started to get weird. The low is 463.84. Is that bullish again and they're going to bounce away? They start to do that and they come back again and they can't really get anywhere. What happens here? 463.83. Let me tell you something. There are no accidents. There are no coincidences in the market. I can't say that enough. So into the end of the day, they come into it and where does it show the closing price at on this chart? 463.81. The daily chart settlement shows 463.79, below that gap. You know the routine. Below the gap, closing candles below the gap is a bearish signal. They didn't hit the gap and bounce away. That's bullish. They missed the gap. They hung around. They did it into the end of the day. What does that tell me? First of all, what does it tell you? It tells me that the destination wasn't the gap. It was never the gap today. Why is that important? Because it supports the case of the bearish side of things, the bearish umpire thing, below the moving averages. It's not the bull case. Maybe they made a low yesterday and they're going to go higher. That certainly can happen. I get that. But all the evidence that I'm seeing points more to the bear case than the bull case. Of course, anything goes Friday morning. They want to goose the market. They'll goose the market you know the routine. We're talking charts. We're taking it at face value. The duck is really bearish leaning. How about inside the numbers? Here's what we're going to do. We had a narrow ranging day today. The market didn't do anything, but I'm going to let you see the commentary anyway. It's an open book situation. So I'll scroll up through the commentary. You can pause the video, read the notes, go back to the charts to double check the work. Then we'll circle back to stocks on the move We'll take a look at the good, the bad, and the fugly. Early thoughts, we have a happy Thursday and a salute going out to all the veterans out there. Thank you for your service. Just a quick shout out. I had a cousin who was a Marine. His parents are a Gold Star family. Never forget. This morning, we also woke up to no internet, which gives you a sense of anxiety. It gives me a sense of anxiety. I start to break out in a sweat. Luckily, the fake will be back up by 8 a.m. was actually for real this time. Here are the numbers and the early commentary. Again, pause the video, read the notes, check the numbers, go back to the charts, see what happened. What we're going to do is fast forward this thing today. Why? Because it was a very narrow ranging day. And if the market didn't move a lot, again, pause the video, read the notes. If the market didn't move a lot, it makes a whole lot of sense to think that there just weren't a lot of trades on the board, and that is the case. I would have taken that gap had they come into that gap straight away this morning. They didn't do that. It was more of a watch the paint dry kind of day. Stocks on the move. We're going to take a look at Disney, 
DDD, Figs, Bumble. We'll take a look at Bumble, even though it was a scratch, but I want to explain why. The rest didn't hit their numbers, they're off the board. We only trade the stuff at our numbers, not somebody else's. First, we'll look at Disney. Couple of words on Disney. So you can see where the stock spent the majority of the afternoon after the morning rush. You got the flush out, everybody's selling, and then all of a sudden you have the snapback. So it went deeper than my original two numbers that were on the board. There was a higher risk situation with Disney this morning. And if you read the notes, it was noted before the opening because there was a gap and then there was a gap window. And if the thing traded below one price, it was going to go fill the gap down below. That's if it started closing candles and it was real weak down there throughout the day. So that's what we had to be careful of. So A, you can see where the thing did find support in and around this price zone that we identified before the opening bell. You had a snapback, but here's the situation. I can go down to a one-minute chart and show you it's not important. What I'm going to do is tell you what happened. I put on the board that Disney represented a base hit right around the opening bell. It came up short of the absolute 1% by the rule book base hit. I get that. That's fine. Here's where I'm coming from one more time. It was over a dollar bounce in a couple of seconds. Me, this trader, I took the money off the board because I'm doing a lot of stuff. There's other trades that I may want to be in. I have to watch the S&P. I'm watching other stuff. I got a beta test of a live room going on. I'm basically like a one-legged guy in an ass-kicking contest. And if you just get the visual on that one, you'll understand how busy I am. So if I see a buck happen on a stock like Disney, knowing that the full-on base hit was about $1.60 or so, it went up $1.34 in a couple of seconds, I took it off the board over a dollar, and then I put it on the board that it was a base hit, and I got scolded. So just so we're all clear, that's what happened. Let's learn something for a second. So Disney closed all the way up here yesterday. Closing print was 174.39. The stock's getting a pretty decent haircut for a stock like Disney. When you find Disney down 5, 6, 7, 8% on a day, that's a big move for a big stock like Disney. There's people, there's funds, whatever, dumping the stock. It's in motion. So then you take a look at this and you say, wait a minute, that's a falling knife. No, it's not. Everything is headed to a destination. What's the likelihood? And it can happen. It does happen. It has happened. But how likely is it to happen that Disney is going to sell all day long or Disney is in search of a destination Maybe it's a big fat round number like 160. Maybe it was the gap down below that happened to be around 155. Maybe it was 160, 152. Maybe it was something else. It's not the point. This morning, Disney was headed for a destination. Once it reached that destination, one of two things was going to happen. A, a snapback, or B, it was just going to stop going down and it was going to run sideways in a chop shop formation for the rest of the day. That tells you the destination is probably lower, or I should say next destination is probably lower. And that's the way the market works. It's not a falling knife. 3D systems, nothing happened. 2573, it never got to the second number, which was slightly below. It bounced back up to and over, gave you ample opportunity to get out of the thing a couple of times. It just didn't do anything. So 
What's it doing? It hung out for a cup of coffee. Why? Because the destination is likely a price down south. Figs. Figs was a stop out because it closed, I believe, at 10.30 below the stop. And frankly, it just didn't work. The numbers were wrong. Maybe I should edit that and say, the numbers early in the morning were wrong, but as you can see by the end of the day, they rallied back to get right in that space, right in between those two numbers. Are there any accidents or coincidences in the market? 34.32, 35.66, look where it went to at the end of the day, right smack in the middle, and then went back underneath the second number. Those numbers are meaningful, but this stock is headed somewhere else. That's the takeaway. Bumble. Bumble was a scratch today. It was in motion, but here's what happened. It opened the day below the second number. 39.70 was the opening print. So that's below both numbers, therefore I scratch it. I scratched it before the opening bell. Why is that? Here's a weekly chart. Now I know this is a make it or break it place. Where those numbers are, we're make it or break it. Let's just say, here's a breakup candle, there's a low, it's a weekly chart, inside of there were the important numbers, and they now are below that. I knew that if they got below that today, there's nothing down there, it's a newer stock. There's nothing down there to be a safety net. So if this started trading below the lows, this thing could have been, and we've seen this before, it didn't happen today in Bumble, but this thing could have been 30 or $20 today or 25 you never know. So here's what happened, and this is what the pre-market looked like. Let me just give you a sense for where we are. So the thing comes down, and it runs sideways over my area since this is yesterday, and then this is into today. So it's basically running sideways, 4.45 in the morning, and then all of a sudden, 8.45, 9 o'clock, now it's down into the zone. All of a sudden, here we are, 9.15, it's below the zone. Now I knew... If it popped back up before the opening bell, some traders would still take the trade. At that point, it was too risky. It's too new. I just scratched it. I just wanted to give you my thought process on what happened early on, even though it snapped back. They had a nice rally. That's fine. Look where they finished. They opened below the number that told me something else was going on. And even though they did have that quick snapback, they finish down here, which means what? Which means there's trouble in paradise for Bumble. What about Camp IWM? What's going on over there? So we had the inside day, but there was a bigger range than there was in the SPY. For whatever the reason, the IWM was up almost 1% today. So we should note, it is my favorite market leading indicator. Why was it up today? Was there something else going on that was dragging the other stuff down. Maybe it was Disney, maybe it was some other stuff, wasn't the only stock down, but the IWM was up and it's of note, it's a puzzle piece, it's on the table. Remember, as long as the IWM is above the former high and they're coming back to either eat time off the clock above the former high or coming back to run a test of the former high, as long as they stay up in that zone, doesn't matter day to day what's going on. You can clear away the noise as long as they're above 234.53. It's bullish and they continue to be on a breakout. That's really all you need to know about the IWM at present. What about the folks down at the transportation department? 
Well, we still have a skewed index, so I can't follow this one, but we can talk about it while we look at the IYT. Now, you'll notice the transportation index was actually up today more than the IYT. It's still skewed, still something's going on. I don't know what it is, but we're not using it from a chart perspective. This was basically flat today, was the IYT, but again, they're in an uptrend. The trend is your friend until she throws your shit out the window. We know that. They're above moving averages, so they pulled back from a test of a double top. We need to always be reminded of that. That's what's happening at present. Doesn't matter what it feels like on a five-minute chart. That's what's happening in the big picture. There's really nothing new to report from a transportation index perspective. Did the folks out in Silicon Valley, the Q people, did they do anything different than the other markets today? Not really. Up a third of 1%, that's fine. Inside day, above all moving averages. Again, the market was working off some of that fake overbought condition. Why is it fake? Because there's no measurement for it. When exactly does a market get overbought and when exactly have they worked off the overbought condition? I can't answer either of those questions, so it's fake. Instead, we use home base. The market gets too far from home base. It's going to come back to pay a visit to home base. How far can it get from home base? Same problem as the fake overbought condition. I'm doing this tongue-in-cheek, a little levity. It's a guideline, but when a market gets like that, when they start to go up every day, and we've seen those meme stocks, the term is called parabolic. When a market starts going parabolic, you have no idea where it's going to stop. That's the reality. Same exercise we did with the SPY, just look at it a little differently. Here's a move higher, and here's a pretty tight running bull flag pattern underneath the 20 period moving average. Is that what's going on here? Or when you look at the real short-term chart stuff, are they below all moving averages and they're just going to melt away and make a new low from yesterday's low. We certainly can't say definitively one way or the other, but you have to look at both sides, and if you know if they're melting away, you can certainly revert back to today's interest or lack of interest around that gap that they played games with, and then they, with no accident or coincidence, closed right underneath today. That's in the bearish camp, but when you look at the Q chart, they have a bullish setup. It's a divergence. Divergences will resolve themselves. Will the cues come down or will the spiders come up? One of those two things is likely to happen sooner than later, like tomorrow. About the XLF, the financials, another day underneath the 20 period moving average. So after three days of this stuff going on, what's it actually doing? So it's actually now eating time off the clock, likely to make another move lower. Where's the too lower? We talked about it yesterday. You have a gap here, 38.93. Below that, you have some important stuff. So basically, 38.50 to 38.90 is the spot. It's a little bit wide for the XLF, but that's the spot. If you want a narrower number, come to inside the numbers. Ask, and thy shall receive. Smash Mouth, after getting taken out behind the woodshed and shot three times yesterday, they had what's called a snapback today. Is this a start of a new leg higher, or was this a dead cat bounce? One way to tell, getting above 300.33 and continuing higher 
which specify it's not a dead cat bounce, however, they're going to go higher. Let's talk about gold for a couple of moments tonight. So we're in gold from a swing trading perspective. 162.15 was the number. I think I'm actually in at 162.20. But as I've been saying, it's a long-term uptrend. Pullbacks are meant to be bought. I think we discussed in these videos here, the last time gold was down here when GLD was at 162 and change, I believe I showed you on the actual gold chart, the commodity itself, that area that I specified as a buying opportunity. I know a lot of traders did buy it down there. Now we have some traders wondering, hey, what's going on now? So let's talk a little bit about gold. And by the way, I'm not selling it anytime soon. Do I think gold can get higher before it pulls back? It can. If it did, it's 177. That answers that question. However, we're in one of those overbought conditions. Ha ha ha. Just look how far they are away from home base. So don't be surprised if you see some kind of a pullback take place in gold. The next question, where can I buy gold on a pullback? We'll use GLD today. Where can I buy GLD on a pullback? So what I'll do is, there's going to be multiple numbers over time. In this video, today, I'm going to give you what I would say is the best number. It's not a number that's going to be hit tomorrow, but it's the best number for a pullback. Well, let's look at it this way. There's a gap over here, so that would be interesting. And we could say that this is an area, okay, give or take a few pennies on either side, but this is an area where gold has now started to break out from. So should it come back to run a test, we can call this a former breakout area. There's no two ways about it. From a shorter-term perspective, a case could be made that below here you have this area also. Why? Gold ran up, pulled back. Now it's breaking out over that spot, and even if it doesn't get to that spot, there's another gap down here. So what we're going to say is, if it pulls back to the 170, 169 area, that would be, in today's version of, the best spot for a pullback to buy gold. I don't know that it will get there. Maybe it pulls back to this area over here. This is 171 and change, and that's it. We don't know exactly at the time, but if I had to put a number on it, I would rather be a buyer on a spike through the fat number of 170 into that zone if I'm looking for a buying opportunity. It would also represent that around 169, give or take. It would represent what we'll call a garden variety retracement. Where does that come from? Comes right out of the course, lazy e-mini trader. How do you use Fibonacci retracements? Well, I'll show you in that course. They're not as easy as you might think, but they're part and parcel to what goes into a full stack before a trade. Well, guess what? If you started getting into the 169 area, these moving averages would move a little bit, the 20 would be sloping up, you're getting into a full stack situation. If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you without you, these videos are not possible. That is true and accurate information. We're pulling the ripcord here today. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis.